Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. Steinberg with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The day after one of the biggest days in Flames franchise history. The Flames have themselves a general manager. He goes by Craig Conroy. He's the eighth full-time general manager in Flames franchise history. And hey, we're available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get them. Go ahead and subscribe. we got a busy hour coming up for you. One of the pieces of news from Wednesday was the extension of Brad Paschal and the new title for Brad Paschal. He remains assistant general manager and also becomes VP of Hockey Operations. Got a lot to talk about with Mr. Paschal. Not only yesterday's news, but also wrap up the season for the Calgary Wranglers, which didn't end the way that they would have liked. But at the same time, 106 points, second straight coach of the year, second straight goalie of the year, the MVP, and a really, really strong season. We'll talk about all of it with uh, Brad Pascal a little bit later on this hour. But we want to do this every two weeks or so. It's Flames Talk mailbag time. It's time to engage our text line at 960-960. And I thought this was a perfect time to do it. We did it two weeks ago on a Wednesday. And I thought, you know what? Now the general manager's in place. The first check mark on the Flames offseason has been uh, has been put on paper. So next up is head coach. Then there's lots of roster things to get to. There's an NHL draft in a month and a half or just over a month to get to. In fact, we'll be down in Nashville in about one month's time getting ready for the NHL draft. So there's still lots to get to, but the first thing that had to be figured out was who is going to be calling the shots. We know the answer to that question. It's uh, Craig uh, it's Craig Conroy. So here's the situation. Text lines open at 960-960. Get your questions in, and we can talk about Conroy's vision for the team, the future of certain players, the future of this core, how they're going to integrate more young players into this lineup and in this roster. Who's the captain going to be? Who should the head coach be? All on the table and more. Get your questions in. Put your name on the, the question as well at 960-960. We'll start getting into the text line on our Flames Talk mailbag in just a couple of minutes. I, I want to start with this, though, and to kind of set the table to allow some time for some text to come in at 960-960. This was Craig's answer to us on Tuesday when he joined us on uh, a little exclusive chat on Flames Talk. And I asked him about his plan. I asked him about his vision for this team going forward. And and the way I phrased it is, hey, you had to go through two interviews. You had to go through a pretty exhaustive uh, exhaustive process. What did you present to Don Maloney? What did you present to John Bean? What were your main bullet points that spelled out how you wanted to go about your business and how you wanted to do this job if you were to get it. And here's how Craig answered it. And a lot of things that uh, people definitely caught on to. And I think a number of things in here resonated with a lot of fans when Craig joined us on Tuesday. The way I've, I've kind of foreseen this team in the future 
you know, building this team through the draft, like I said, I do think that's the way to do it. I mean, obviously, there's different stages when you're looking at the Tampa, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah, they were able to get rid of a lot of picks. They were still going for it. They've won two in a row. But they got all those picks early, and they did. The guys on that team that are the core are draft picks, you know, and then they've added pieces here and there, and they've won. So you, you kind of look at that model and say, okay, that's what you have to do. You're looking at teams – you know, around the league and you're kind of comparing how are they doing and you see them going in the right direction. You feel like a team, okay, in another couple of years, these two or three teams right. are going to be good. So, you know, I kind of laid out that, you know, talked about, you know, our, our the free agency. You know, a big thing for me is asset management. I mean, like I said, to have Johnny, you know, leave and not get anything w- w- was tough. And I, you know, I learned a lesson. You always learn lessons along the way, and that was a big one for me because I I did believe he was going to come back. Um, you know, and I think just through the whole thing, they, you know, all the different strengths and weaknesses of me, how you deal with the coach, all these, you know, there's just a million questions like that. And then you just kind of go through it and explain to him how you kind of foresee this is working out, you know, as far as how my relationship with the coach is going to be, you know, Am I going to be on the road? Like I told them, I said, I know Brad went on the road all the time. Well, I want to be at the tournaments. You know, I, right. do, I do think I want to see draft eligible players. I, I'm not always going to be with the team for sure. At the beginning when we're, we're new and we're a new group, I want to be there and build that, that camaraderie. But then after that, there are going to be times, you know, where I asked Don, if he'd go on the trip or Brad Pascoe or, you know, Dave Nonis, someone can go with the team but it doesn't have to be me all the time. I think sometimes it can be around a little bit too much too for, for myself. So there you go. That is Craig Conroy and kind of his vision for the team and the way that he wants to go about building it. Just a few of the bullet points that we heard from Craig when he joined us on Tuesday. That entire 30-minute interview is available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. I know it's early. And I know words have to turn into action, and he's had all of 24 hours or so to be able to turn words into action, so it's a little premature to be judging. I get that the the true proof of the pudding is the tangible results and the way that Craig goes about building and shaping this team. And Conroy has a huge job in front of him to turn those words into action. When you take a look at all of the things, this is this is not a... This is not an easy chair that he's sliding into with all of the to-dos. You've got a huge head coaching hire immediately in front of you. You go from that head coaching hire to now you've got Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin and Michael Backlund and Chris Tanev and Tyler Toffoli at all. All of those guys that you now need to figure out the seven players who are going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of next season. You got to figure out their fates and how you want to go about that. You know, you got contracts to negotiate potentially with Lindholm. What does that look like? Or a trade that you need to figure out with Lindholm. What does that look like? You've got to figure out a way to get more out of Jonathan Huberdeau. You have got to make very pointed moves to make sure that Jonathan Huberdeau does not have another 55 point season on a $10.5 million AAV. So there's a lot that Conroy has to tackle here in the very, very early stages of his GM tenure. And it, it kind of, you know, I don't I don't think it's fair to um, equate it quite the same way. But I just remember when Jay Feaster took over, there was they were they were in a situation which I don't think was was quite the same. 
But there were a lot of things that had to be figured out for Jay Feaster almost immediately. And, you know, there was a Robin Regeer trade that needed to be figured out. And soon after, a Jerome Ginla future call that needed to be figured out. And, you know, they had to get Alish Kotalik's money off the, off the book, so on and so forth. Again, I don't think, I personally believe that Brad Living set this team up in a pretty decent way. And I think the team is better off as he leaves than when he joined nine years prior. But it doesn't change the fact that there's a coaching hire, there's seven potential UFAs, and and some other decisions that need to be made. It's going to be a very busy summer number one for Craig Conroy. So I think they're in good hands. I really, truly do believe they're in good hands. But that won't be proven one way or the other for a few years. And it's going to take some time for us to truly get the full scope of what Craig Conroy is or is going to be as general manager of this team. Okay, it's Flames Talk Mailbag time. Let's dive in on the text line at 960-960. Put your name on the text. Make sure that I can put a, you know, don't have to, but if you'd like to have your name on the text, would love that if uh, that would be the case. And let's get in. Some will spend more time on. Some will be really simple answers, but let's uh, dive right in. Um, So, right from the get-go, uh, this says, is there a world where Mitch Love takes an assistant coach job with the club, or is that a step down from head coach in the American League? That's from Dan in Calgary. Is there a world where that happens? Yeah, I think there is a world. I'm not saying that it is going to be the case, but I think that is one of the potential options on the table. And it kind of all depends on where Mitch is and, and what he's really looking for. Do, would, would he rather remain as a head coach in the American League or would he rather be on an NHL staff and and be part of potentially the next head coach of this team staff? Is there a world where that could happen? Yeah. Knowing the buzz that exists out there for Mitch and knowing the success that he's had to this point, I feel like it's not the most likely of the different roads, but I think it is a potential option that we could say, like if, if I were to do power rankings, I might put it like three or four on the potential outcomes that we might see. Because I think Mitch would like to coach as a head coach in the NHL. And I there's going to be, at the very least, some inquiries made from other teams about whether or not he'd be a good fit with them. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I think that there's a possibility he could be an assistant coach on the Flame staff next year. I think there's a better chance that he's the head coach. And I think there's a better chance that he is with another organization than him being an assistant with the Flames. Not to say there's no chance of that, but I would put it kind of three or four just on my tea leaf reading of the potential outcomes. Uh, What else we got here at 960-960? This reads... Didn't Edmonton try hiring a bunch of ex-Oilers to run the team? If I can recall, it didn't work very well. Love the Conroy hire, and I want nothing but the best for him. Time will tell if it's just smoke and mirrors. Now, if they hired Craig Conroy solely because he's a former member of the Calgary Flames, I would be very much against that, and I'd be very much uh, not on board with that. But they hired Craig Conroy because he's well thought of in hockey circles. He's got 12-plus years of being in hockey management under his belt. That's why they hired him. And I, they, had the, they got the best guy for the job, especially considering Calgary's circumstances. I, and they got the best guy for the job. So 
yes, the Oilers got into trouble there for a number of years where McTavish and uh, Kevin Lowe and you know Keith Gretzky and just like all there, there was this run of about 10 years, I want to say, where there was a bit of an old boys club that were connected to the glory days of the Edmonton Oilers and they were getting front office and coaching jobs and I don't necessarily think that that was the right way to go about it. Now, if the Flames were to start doing that and that would be start being the main criteria of hiring players and, and now they're just bringing in only former Flames, well, then I'd have a little bit more problem with it. But, you know, Conroy and then potentially adding a Gimlet to the fold, I don't think that you're quite in that territory. I get the question. I just don't think that they're at that rate yet. And credit to the Oilers. Eventually they figured it out and they've done a whole lot better since. I mean... Jay Woodcroft, not a lot of Oilers connections prior, other than him being with the organization and working his way up. And, you know, the uh, prior to that, Dave Tippett, same thing. And Ken Holland, same thing. So the Oilers did fix that or changed their, uh, changed their tact in that regard, and they've been a much better team since. I don't think that's the only reason, but... It, I don't think it's inconsequential either. Uh, this one from Jeff. Pat, if Lindholm re-signs long-term, would you consider him a candidate for captain? 100%. The two guys that are most interesting to me for captain, both are entering the final years of contracts, Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund. And that's not to say that Mackenzie Weger, Rasmus Anderson, Jonathan Huberdeau, I don't think they should be considered. But for me, Backlund is the longest tenured player on the team and has truly emerged as one of the leaders inside that room. And if there is a desire for him to sign for two or three more years, then absolutely I think you put the captaincy on him or that's something that you heavily consider. Same thing with Lindholm. If Elias Lindholm is ready to commit the next six or seven years of his NHL career on top of this coming year to the Flames, just knowing how important he is to this team, the way that he plays, kind of a quiet leader, then yeah, I think looking at him as a captain, absolutely. But if you don't have Elias Lindholm signed, I'm not giving him the captaincy for next season. Same thing with Michael Backlund. I think you need somebody long-term who's going to be here. So that's why all of a sudden Uyghur or Huberdo or or Anderson becomes far more, like you talk about that a whole lot more because they're going to be here for the next little while. Uyghur's here for eight more years. Huberdo's here for eight more years. You know, Anderson's got a little bit left on his contract, and I think there's a good chance that you can re-sign him beyond that. So, yeah, that's that's how I would answer that. So, yes, if he agrees to sign long-term, absolutely, Jeff. I think that he would be a big-time candidate for captain. Um, this from Dylan in Revelstoke. Hi, Dylan. Should Lindholm still not want an extension, I think it might be a good idea to approach Columbus to see if they want an upgrade at 1C from Boone Jenner. What do you think it would take on top of Lindholm to get their third overall pick? Also, do you like tickle fights? Well, of course I like tickle fights. There's no doubt about that. Um, Jeez. To get the third overall pick, I think that you would be in the ballpark and at the very least you could be having conversations with Lindholm. I don't know if that would get it done Ultimately, like, I don't know if you're getting number three overall for Elias Lindholm, but as part of a package deal and, and, you know, I, I think you might 
want to be looking at multiple pieces on either side if that was the type of deal? I don't know. I don't know if you would be getting number three overall strictly for Lindholm. Now, do I think? Here's what I would say. It's tough for me to. It's tough for me to ballpark what exactly Columbus would need to get that number three overall pick. Like I'm trying to think of top 10 picks that have moved in the last decade or so. Like I remember when I think it was nine overall that Vancouver got from New Jersey and that was straight up ninth overall for Corey Schneider. So Schneider was a hot shot goaltending prospect at that time and was one of the guys that I think was most hotly sought after, especially at that position. So New Jersey traded Schneider to Vancouver for number nine overall, and Vancouver selected Bo Horvat with that pick. That's the one that comes to mind right away, and I might be missing one or two top ten picks that have moved other than that over the last decade or so, but they rarely move. So I think Lindholm would start a conversation, but is that the type of deal that you'd make if you're moving Elias Lindholm out? Potentially. And I think regardless, if you're in a spot where Lindholm is not giving you the vibes that he's going to sign long-term, not just because Johnny Gaudreau plays there, but just overall because they are starved for centers. And I like Boone Jenner, but he's not a 1C. I think Columbus would be a really interesting place to have the conversation because the Blue Jackets need to... You don't sign Johnny Gaudreau to the contract they signed him to, and then be like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're still five or six years away. It's time in Columbus. Kekalainen knows it. I think the clock is ticking on Yarmo as general manager there. They've already made a coaching change. So, yeah, I uh, that would be an interesting one to explore if it goes in that direction with Lindholm. So our Flames Talk mailbag text line's open if you're listening live at 960-960. Uh, Ethan in Saskatoon, what do you think of Pelche, Coronado, Phillips as a line for the Flames? Uh, I don't know. The only problem with that, Ethan, is that I'm not sure Coronado at center early on is the way to go. I think the Flames right now see him as a right winger, and I know that Coronado's been playing center at the World Championship. I fully understand that. But I think at the NHL level, and I think it's awesome that he is playing center over there. That's big for his development. But I think early on in his career to take some of the pressure, take some of the responsibility off of Coronado's shoulders, I think they look at him as a winger. I do think there's a much better chance that Coronado starts the season in the NHL than prior with Daryl Sutter no longer here. Uh, Phillips needs a contract. Craig Conroy and Matthew Phillips, we talked to this week, both kind of, it's in the gray area right now. There's no commitment one way or the other as to whether or not Matthew is, hey, I'm coming back or not coming back. Um, but I think if you're the Flames, you make an effort to bring Matthew Phillips back. And if you make an effort to bring him back, I think you give him a real opportunity to make the team and play meaningful NHL games for the first time in his career. And if then it doesn't work, well, then you know that you gave it a shot and you know that you gave him the opportunity. To this point, I don't think they have. Uh, what else we got here? Um, any thoughts on Conroy's possible outlook on coach, one that has to feed and nurture the new arrival of immature whiners? Um, I think that the immature whiners comment is a little silly. I don't think that's what we're talking about. This was not... And I know there's a lot of people who paint Daryl Sutter's dismissal as a bunch of prima donna players who all got together and got the coach run out of town. 
that's truly not what this was. This was a coach that was not getting the type of um, the type of response that he needed from his best players, and this was not just one or two guys. Like we are talking about, yeah, Kadri, yeah, Huberdo, but we were talking about Lindholm had a down season, and you know, aside from. Tyler Toffoli and Nikita Zadorov, who didn't have seasons that were down a little bit. Manjapani's numbers dropped. And as Craig talked about yesterday, uh, on Tuesday, as Don Maloney's talked about, it became a very, very unpleasant place to be. And so, yeah, do the players play a part in that? Of course they do. But this whole idea of oh, a bunch of immature players whining to get the coach fired, that's not what happened. The, 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 there was an issue with coach and locker room. And unfortunately, in the business of pro sports, the coach is one decision and a bunch of players is a whole lot more and a whole lot more difficult. It was something that needed to get done and so, no, this was not a mutiny to get the coach out. It really wasn't. As much as I know a lot of people want to go down that road, and I just don't believe that myself. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? This is from Andrew. Huska, love. These two have proven they've got the skills and connections with the modern player. Craig Conroy told us they're both going to get long looks and will be very much considered for the head coaching job for the Flames. And, and I do think both guys... Um, have the ability to communicate properly with today's NHLer. I really think that's important. You know, they're different approaches. Mitch Love is is a whole lot more of that hard coach or a little bit more of that, you know, taskmaster type coach from what we I've never been coached by him, so I can't say that 100%, but that's base that's that's basically what we've been told and what we've been able to uh, ascertain. He's a hard coach, but He's one that communicates well with his players and and I think would be able to connect with different guys on each team, on, on his team rather. I think he's got that in him and I think that he's proven that so far in two years in the American League. And Ryan Huska, absolutely. I think that he's a little bit more of a softer touch perhaps, but I've also, like, he can be authoritative and he's a guy that can... Um, that can be, he speaks with his ice time. He's done so in Stockton. He's done so in the Western League. Hell, he's even done so running the blue line for the Flames. So I think both guys have it in them to be very effective NHL head coaches. I really do. Uh, Tal says, yeah, it's Tal. Um, look at Colorado with Sackick, Detroit with Iserman, New York with Drury. It works talking about having former players, former guys in the organization as general managers, for sure. I don't think that it should be... I don't think playing for an organization should be a prerequisite to be a general manager. I also don't think that it should be something that holds you back. And I do think hiring internally, when you've got the book on the guy, there's something to be said for it. So absolutely, I, I think it can absolutely work. Somebody wrote in a little earlier, if Conroy's the first former flame who has been general manager he is not uh the second general manager in franchise history was doug risebrow and he was a former member of the flames as well in fact uh he was uh he wasn't a stanley cup champion with the team 
but he was a guy that was part of the move towards or ascension towards the 89 Stanley Cup, and he was part of the team that went to the 86 Stanley Cup final. Um, all right, this says, from Kevin, could you see Calgary acquiring one of the big four in Toronto with Lindholm as one of the pieces going back? Could I see it? Maybe. Do I think it's likely? Myself, probably not. This from Chris and Chestermere. Uh, Pat, here's my plan. Given the seven pending UFAs are back, trade Vladar for a draft pick or prospect, use Dansk as the backup, Wolf called up for all scheduled starts, 20-ish, trade Zadorov for a draft pick, sign Stetcher and Stone as your seven, now you have about $6 million to work with. Yep, that's fair. Um, Zadorov for a pick could help depending on what the market is like out there. And, and if you have got the ability to retain Noah Hannafin and by the ability, I mean, he wants to stay. If you're able to re-sign Noah Hannafin, um, then different story. If you're not, then you could sub Hannafin in for Zadorov when it comes to making a trade on the blue line as well. They do, especially with Shillington coming back, they do have the ability to deal from a position of strength if they're looking to um, if they're looking to free up cap space, they've got the ability to deal from the blue line and do it that way. And that might allow them and help them to go and chase a forward. And and I do believe that going and chasing another scoring forward is something that they'll be looking for, whether in free agency or via trade this summer. So no, I don't mind. I don't mind that plan at all, Chris. Um, this Maddie and Canyon Meadows. I'm on the loyalty side of everything and hardworking players all about the crest, the flaming sea. Now they have Conroy. His name's huge in the city. Maybe a Gimla just brings players here that want to play here and it won't be all about money. Um, there is something to be said about guys who want to be here now, especially with what's happened the last number of years with Johnny Gaudreau leaving and Matthew Kachuk basically saying he wasn't going to stay. He had a general manager who left. You know, there's there's even been there's there's been I don't know innuendo or suggestions that a guy like Huberdeau, for instance, you acquire him. Well, you might have had to pay a premium to keep him. Would he have been? Would he have needed eight eighty-four million dollars to stay in Florida? Maybe not. But to sign in a Canadian market, a smaller market, maybe you needed to go a little bit higher. I don't know that for sure. I really don't. But I, there's there's been that innuendo. Or same with Nazem Kadri. You know, there's been talk that yeah, he probably would have signed for a whole lot less in say to stay in Colorado. Signed seven by seven here. So. I do think sometimes being a small Canadian market, you have to pay premiums to keep players. So guys like Tyler Toffoli and Dylan Dubé and Nikita Zadorov and guys like that who go out of their way to say they want to be here, I think that's important because I don't think you have to overpay them to convince them to stay. And that, to me, is really important. And that's something that I think is going to be more and more important, especially in the next couple of years. I don't necessarily think it'll be that way forever, but in the next couple of years, I think it'll be something they need to, at the very least, uh, take into consideration. Uh, this says, Pat, in terms of hierarchy, isn't Nonis as senior VP of Hockey Ops sound higher up on the food chain, but as AGM, that's not the case. What true qualifications does Aginla have other than name? 
Uh, didn't Conroy's comments about Lindholm all but say he wanted out? That comes from Claude. Uh, first of all, when it comes to titles, I wouldn't read too much into it. I really wouldn't. Uh, Craig Conroy is the guy. He's the one calling the shots. And I know there are VPs of hockey operations and senior VP of hockey operations, but general manager is still at the top of the hockey ops food chain. And yeah, Don Maloney is higher up, but he's kind of the overseer of everything. Final decisions will 100% rest with Craig Conroy. He's got the keys, no doubt about that. I've, I've even checked in on that because a lot of people have brought that up. Everything that I'm told, everything that I, and, and from people that I, I quite trust, is that, yeah, this is Conroy's ship. He's steering it. And don't worry so much about what VP means versus this or that. Uh, as for the qualifications for Aginla, well, I mean, he doesn't have a ton in the NHL because he's never officially worked with an NHL team in a hockey ops role before. That said, he's very well thought of in hockey circles. And the minute that he says, I'm wanting to join an NHL team, he'll have job offers. That's that's where Jerome is at this point. And he hasn't been in that mode over the last number of years. He's been working in Kelowna and he's been coaching his kids in Boston or whatever the case may be. Now that he his kids are older and he'll no longer be hands-on coaching them uh, after next season, then I, I think the conversation changes. So if it's not in Calgary, Jerome will be, I, I absolutely believe, if he wants to be with an NHL team, he'll have a role somewhere. And uh, finally, on Conroy's comments about Lindholm, I don't know if I'd go that far. It says, didn't Conroy's comments about Lindholm all but say he wanted out? I wouldn't go that far, but certainly I picked up on that too. And he said, I think I, yeah, you know, I think I know where Lindy is, but, um, oh, we're, Craig's here right now. Uh, I, I picked up on that too, but now an opportunity with Daryl Sutter gone and Craig at the helm. And you even heard Ryan, Ryan Leslie talking on the Francis show on Tuesday about how lots of players are excited about Craig being the guy. I think Conroy owes it to himself and he's going to do this to go back and um, really dive in on those conversations again. We've said goodbye to Daryl. Now I'm the guy in charge. What could this conversation uh, end up looking like? Uh, Pat, why would Lindholm stay for less than what Huberto's making? Problem is I think even Lindholm and his camp would understand that guy coming off 115 point season um, it's going to be a little easier to get your massive payday. I think that Lindholm is going to get paid, whether it's here or else, elsewhere, but I still think Huberto is going to remain the, uh, Going to remain the, the highest paid player on the team. Um, running out of time. We're uh, bumping up on Brad Pascal, who's going to join us very shortly. So a couple more texts on our mailbag right, th- right now. Uh, this says, as far as coaches go, I'm a no on Muller or anyone really established. They won't last. Some combination of one or two of Huska, Love, Aginla. Uh, and Tonga is very intriguing as well. So... That's Big Mike when it comes to the coaching side of things. Great stuff. 
on the mailbag today. We'll do this once every couple of weeks on the text line at 969.60. Maybe the next time it'll be after they hire a head coach. Okay, Pat Steinberg along with you. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. Great stuff on the text line at 969.60. Thank you very much for all your input. Read a few more as the program goes along this hour. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement-y. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. There's just a whole slew of news on Tuesday surrounding the Calgary Flames. We had a general manager named. We had Dave Nonis brought into the fold. And I think super important in the whole thing, super important in the whole thing was the extensions of two other key members of Hockey Ops. Chris Snow, uh, his title moves to VP Data Analytics and Assistant General Manager. And our next guest uh, signs an extension as well. He would be Brad Pascal, now the VP of Hockey Operations and Assistant General Manager. Uh, Brad joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Mr. Pascal, how are we doing on this Wednesday? Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you bet, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Good to hear you. Do I have to call you Mr. President now? Is that is that was that part of the um, contract negotiations? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not, Pat. Okay. I was going to do it. I I would. I had yeah, it all I know. ready to go. I get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> how uh, how you feeling after uh, everything that went down, and and now that the uh, management group is set? I guess just uh, tell us uh, your perspective coming off of uh, the last little bit. Yeah, really pleased. I think, you know, from our standpoint, a real positive day yesterday, uh, you know, announcing Craig and, and I guess our whole management group. Um, you know, I think we're something that we're really excited about here in the office. Um, you know, Dave Nonis is a guy I've known for a long time and, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a great addition. Obviously, Don Maloney leading the charge. Uh, Craig is general manager. And then Chris and myself, uh you know, we've been here nine years and, and uh, you know, we're looking forward to, to continuing to work together and and, uh, and hopefully some positive things on the horizon. I, I, I would imagine just the continuity, as you mentioned, Chris, you, Craig, all staying together and, and Don as well as the president of Hockey mm-hmm. Operations. Just to, to have that continuity and know that the, the group that you've been working with for the past nine years is pretty much staying intact and and a lot of the a lot of the same voices a lot of the same faces what is that what does that mean to you yeah well you're right there's a lot of the same faces i think dave coming in with a new perspective on things is going to be really strong for us and and the other thing is um you know like with craig being in a new chair and and even myself with a new title but you know we've all we've already challenged each other just with different ideas of you know what we've done things in the last few years and and some things we want to change um you know just how we do things and you know when when Brad was here we, we did that all the time as well but i think even just in the last couple of days with Craig we've had some really good meetings um of just you know how we're going to tackle this thing together but really just you know looking to change some things and 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 what we think is for the better of of how we operate how we operate our meetings how we're going to plan things of the draft into free agency and, and, you know, how we're going to divvy up responsibilities. So 
um, really exciting to be honest with you. And, and uh, you know, I think we're all pumped to to get things going. You've uh, you've known Craig a long time. You've worked side by side with him for the last nine years since uh, you came on and joined the organization in June 2014. How uh, how happy are you for Mr. Conroy? Yeah, really happy. We we had a. We've had a couple of really good long chats and, and couldn't be more pleased for him. I mean, you know, you know what Craig means to this community and to this organization. And, um, you know, he, he has a passion for the game and a passion for to be a flame and to be a Calgarian. And, um, you know, just having the opportunity to work with him for the last nine years and knowing that we, we're going to be working side by side here uh, on a go forward basis. Um, you know, I know, I know he's put a lot of trust in me and I, I have a ton of respect for him and, um, you know, I think it's we're, we're looking forward to, to again kind of being joined at the hip and working together. At the same time, Brad, you also went through the process yourself, and uh, we're we're working towards the the general manager job. And I, you know, I, I'm I'm curious as to just how that process went for you, and and the opportunity to go through that process would. would I would imagine it would end up being something pretty validating for you that you end up being a finalist for a general manager job in the NHL and, and kind of shows that, yeah, you know what, all the, all the work that you've put in for the better part of the last decade is, is really getting noticed and, and, you know, starting to, to bear some, bear some fruit. I'm just curious as your, uh, your perspective on, on going through that process at the same time. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was, um, it's it was a great experience, um, as you mentioned, just to be recognized by you know by Don and the ownership and and John Bean and have the opportunity to go through that process. Um, you know, was extremely valuable and and um, you know I think it was it was a good way to share ideas and 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 share some of my thoughts with them and and uh, you know it, it was a really good experience and I think that you know eventually that'd be my next step in in my career and and obviously. You know, not right now in this organization, but you know, knowing that that hopefully there'd be other opportunities down the road, whether it's here or elsewhere, and and uh, you know, just to to have that as an evolution of my yeah. um, my career, I think is is a positive thing. Well, do you, when you go through that process and you get a couple of interviews and and you get that second interview where you know that you're kind of right down to brass tacks, just does that validate it or or give you a little bit more confidence that? Next time that opportunity arises, wherever it might be, then yeah, you know what, you're you're ready to take that step. Well, I, I think both, Pat. I think I think you know validation and, and confidence. I, I think if you look, if anybody, any of your listeners, and, and you know, anytime you you go through a process like that, I think you're going to have a level of confidence for the next time you're through it. And I think that's just, you know, that's just part of it. And I think, um, you know, I think it makes me better at my position now, quite frankly, and. And, um, you know, having put a lot of ideas on, you know, pen to paper and put ideas and presentations and, and then, uh, you know, then, you know, even now sitting in, in the, in the chair, I am or working with Craig as the GM. I mean, again, it's bringing up some of those ideas and talking about them together. And, you know, I think, I think it's nothing but a positive thing, both for, for me personally, but then organizationally here for us going forward. Chat with Brad Pascal, who is the Vice President of Hockey Operations and Assistant General Manager of the Calgary Flames. Uh, his contract extension as part of this Hockey Ops group was announced on Tuesday as part of all the Hockey Ops announcements that we got. So, 
Do you, it's still early, we're, we're 24 hours into this process, a little bit more than mm-hmm. that officially, but do you have an idea in terms, I asked, I asked Dave this question a little bit on Tuesday, but do you have a, a decent idea as terms, in terms of the responsibilities? Do they basically th- say the same for you, or is, is, there some, is there some changes that you're expecting in terms of your duties, or is it way too early to even go down that road? Yeah, I, I think. You know, I think on the go-forward basis here in, in the short term, a lot of the responsibilities will be the same. Um, now, in saying that, just as you mentioned, it's just it's been just under uh, uh, a day or two here of, of us to have these discussions, and we had some good ones yesterday and again today. And we're you know we're going to spend really the next ten days just sitting down and 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 planning things out and looking at job descriptions and and what makes sense. You know, I don't. I don't think in talking to Craig we're going to make sweeping changes, but okay. at the same time we're going to we're going to play to our strengths and and you know make sure that we're hitting things head on of what we got to tackle here and and uh, you know uh, we have some great experience in the group myself, Craig, and and you know obviously Chris and Dave and Don. Um, you know I think Craig and 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 Don both said it at the press conferences. You know, this is going to be a good collaboration between all of us, and and uh, you know I think that's the way that we're looking forward to it as a group. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, Craig has the final say, but you know I think that the personalities that we have, along with the experience and and looking at everybody's job, and and everybody has responsibilities, but we're we're all here for one end goal. How uh, how have the amateur scouting meetings gone to this point? Well, they uh, they're always really good, um, and uh, I snuck out of the meeting early to do this, Pat. So that was a uh, that was a nice little break here at the end of the day for me. But um, um, no, they they've been um, they've been real positive. I mean, the the amateur scouts that that you know essentially work all year watching these guys putting lists together, and and uh, you know our, our list is ever changing, and, and and always more information and more viewings and. Um, it, it's been real positive. I mean, the guys are excited about the draft, as are we. Um, you know, we're picking 16th, and there's a lot of good players there. But, you know, looking at the later rounds, too, I mean, we've been really diving into that today and going to dive in again tomorrow. Um, but, no, this, it's, it's, it's always positive around the, the amateur meetings. You know, looking at the work that these guys do, not just not just watching them as players, but really digging in of who, the, who they are and, and, you know, doing interviews with, the players and the parents and the coaches and you know the background information that goes into this and the hard work and you know just to listen to those conversations and and everybody have the ability to ask questions it's 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 a real positive experience and and then leading to the combine of course then when you have to get to dive in further with uh, with each player yeah. with interviews well, geez, we're about a month away from the NHL draft now in Nashville. That's where uh, that's where you do some of your most tireless work. Hey, the, the work in that hotel lobby. You've got you've got uh, you've got lots of contracts and and lots of things to, to dial down on for the Wranglers for next season too. Once you're there, hey. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. We always do. That's uh, you know everything leading up to free agency. It's it's uh, you know it's really like a month long process of just you know really diving in and. And having discussions and, and you know let, having talking to agents about our own guys that that are up or for renewals and and what have you. I mean it's it's uh, it's always good to start those conversations early with your players and then you're you're looking around and and seeing who might be free come July first and you know just trying to get things organized for yourself so when the when the bell goes off you're ready to go. 
Brad Pascoe is with us, VP of Hockey Ops, Assistant General Manager for the Calgary Flames, joining us here on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. Well, let's talk about the Wranglers. For the last nine years, one of your chief responsibilities has been running the American League team and uh, a really, really solid season for the group. I know it doesn't end the way that you were hoping in the fifth and decisive game of that best of five on Friday, but you know, Brad, now that you've had a little bit of time to, to digest, and you know, I know as a manager, the loss is hurt, but at the same time, you got to switch to big picture mode pretty quickly once the playoffs come to an end. How, how do you reflect on the first year of the AHL team here in Calgary? Yeah, r- real positive overall, Pat. I mean, it, you know, the the support that we got from the community was great. I think, I think you know, we looked at when we brought the team here of the positives of bringing it here. And, you know, I think we, we checked all those things and, and kind of reassured ourselves that this was the right move to make. And, and then obviously the team on the ice, you know, led by Mitch and the coaching staff, um, you know, the more, more wins and losses is always a good thing. And, you know, I, I thought a lot of our young players just, you know, continue to perform so well throughout the season and, and really, quite frankly, push themselves into conversations for, for the start of training camp next year, which I think is a real positive thing for the organization. I know Craig's talked a lot the last day or so just about, you know, uh, making spots available and, and looking to have youth into our lineup. And you know, I think that's going to start with the, the work that the Wranglers players and the young prospects have put in. And, uh, you know, to know that they, you know, even have more of an opportunity ahead of them, I think it's a positive thing organizationally, but especially for our players. But yeah, I was really proud of the group there. Um, a tough way to end, a little bit different than last year. You know, we went to the conference finals last year and, and uh, you know, against a good team in the best of seven. And this one, it, you know, it, it really stung. You could tell in our exit meetings, you know, with all the players, it, it, this yeah. one really stung, and it was um, it was a tough one, tough, a little bit tougher to get over this one this year than it was uh, losing out last year. But overall, positive experience. Um, you'd love to leave with a ring on your finger and a, and a championship, but you know, I think you look at the season as a whole and um, a lot of positives to take from it from an organizational standpoint. Well. And the the number one mandate, and this is not true with with every American League franchise. There are some that it's all about winning. But the the mandate for the Wranglers is development first. And yet, to have that mandate and still be the number one team in the regular season and still be right there and a shot away from moving to the Western Conference Final, is that for for you? I I would imagine that that has to almost feel like you're you're checking multiple boxes at once. Like we we got a really good team. And we're also still bringing our young prospects along and putting them in prominent spots to succeed. I, I can't imagine that that is a an easy balance to strike all the time. Yet for the last couple of seasons, your group has been able to do it. How what what's been the key in doing that? Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think it's really just having a collective goal of of you know amongst our staff and and uh, you know knowing that this is the mandate. I mean, at times, I'll be honest, it's tough. It's it's. Uh, it's tough. You're going through um, young players learning and figuring things out, and and you go through some growing pains. But you know, at the end of the day, it's um, you know this is what this is what we do, and this is what we're, why you have an American League team. And um, you know, I think it's just how we approach it. Um, you know, we we pride ourselves on on strong accountability as part of our development process, and. Um, you know, everything is a teaching and a learning, and I think those are the things, Pat, that, 
you know, that made our group successful. And uh, but at the same time, as you mentioned, hey, development is key on it. And you know, we we look and and you know, we we're going to continue to reflect over the next week with meetings with our staff, our, our HL staff, and our development staff. But you know, we we reflect on it in a positive way that you know a lot of guys have progressed uh, throughout the last eight months. Nobody would have worked closer with head coach Mitch Love on this hockey ops group than you would have, Brad. And and mm-hmm. you have now for two seasons. He is a candidate now to be the next head coach of the Calgary Flames. We know that. Just mm-hmm. what what makes Mitch Love ready to take that next step? What makes Mitch Love the successful coach that he's been to this point? Yeah, it, it, strong communicator. Um, you know, passion. Um, really detailed in everything that he does. And, uh, you know, we talked about accountability and, and just his preparation. I mean, you know, all those things as a young coach that, that you know, he's had had good success here with his first two years as a pro coach. But, you know, someone that, you know, you go back to when we first hired him, how excited I was personally and as an organization and then just see the success that, you know, he's had in, in the way of developing players and, and then obviously had some had some two successful seasons. It's yeah, it's great. I mean, Mitch is Mitch has turned to be a really good friend. Obviously, somebody that I work with here on a daily basis as part of my role, and um, you know, to see what he's accomplished in that regard, I think has been great. Um, you know, and you take a step back and organizationally, as we've talked about the things that he's done and brought players along, I think it's a positive thing. And you know, for him to be considered a candidate, I think is you know a feather in his hat that. You know the work he's done as a young coach, and uh, and you know something we'll see how that process plays out. One of the uh, it's it's interesting, and this one just popped into my head as we were as as you were answering that question. But mm-hmm. you know, Brad, when you take a look at at since you have uh, taken over with this group, I mean, your one of your your first hires was Ryan Huska, and he in 2014 ends up being the head coach of the American League team in Glens Falls, and then uh, you've got Kale McLean who took over from Ryan Huska, and both those guys are now on the NHL staff. And we just had this conversation with Mitch Love. The, the the coaching hires you've made have all been successful, have all made steps. There's been that progression. What's uh what what's been key? What's been important in identifying the coaches that you want in the American League? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we we chuckle almost as part of it, but you're always looking who's the next guy. You know, who 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 are the, who's the next group of coaches out there? And, and at the end of the day, that's what you know. The American League is a development league, and and you're developing you know, equipment managers and trainers and strength and conditioning coaches and, and you're developing coaches as well. So I think that's that's kind of the approach that we take of, you know, who who are the next guys out there? And, and you know, in Ryan's case, we were both fresh. Him and I, you know, we both had played in the American League years back, but, you know, for us to be in Adirondack and putting a team together and, and uh, you know, really learning that league together, um, you know, in our first year in, with the Flames organization was, uh, you know, it, it was it, it was a learning experience for both of us. But you know, something that we that we took seriously and we excelled in, and and I think it was great, and it was great to see Ryan's progression um, up to the Flames and where he is now, and and same thing with Kale. But that's that's probably the approach that we take, Pat. Okay. It's just like, hey, who are, who are the next guys out there that? You know that that are going to be assets for the for the Flames organization, and and more importantly, develop our young players, and and that's the approach we've taken, and we've been lucky here with the last 
three head coach hires. Good stuff, Brad. Really appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you for uh, spending it with us. Congratulations on all that went down yesterday. And, uh, hey, continued good luck and have uh, have a great and productive summer. I know it's a big one for the entire organization. So uh, good luck, my friend. Thanks for doing this as always, hey? Yeah, thanks, Pat. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Okay, Brad. That's Brad Pascal. He is now the VP of Hockey Operations and Assistant General Manager of the Calgary Flames. He joins us to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out a delivery at 403-248-3344.